Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to talk about the non-Christians' favorite Bible verse. Did you know that non-Christians have a favorite Bible verse? Did you know they do? Okay, we're going to read about it real quick. Let's put it up here. I'm glad you're all standing. Uh, let's look at it. What did Jesus say? Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Now, that's their favorite verse. It stops there. But let's read on. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you've got a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? What did Jesus say next? Was he worried about being politically correct? No. He said, hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you're going to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to teach on this tonight, and we're still going to leave in good time. So, amen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, speak to us out of your word. And Lord, we just thank you for helping us to understand it and uh, to interpret it accurately, rightly divide it. And thank you for helping us to walk in the right kind of judgment and avoiding the wrong kind. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty, let's get into the Word of God. We're in chapter 7. Can you believe we're in the final chapter of the Sermon on the Mount? As one financial guy called it, the Sermon on the Amount. <laughs> yeah. So, now, I want to get something out of the way right off the bat. The idea that Jesus taught that we should never judge. This is the verse that, that when you go to talk to uh, an unbeliever in our culture uh, about uh, you know, something being wrong in their life, according to the Bible, immediately it will be fired at you. The Bible says, judge not. Jesus said, judge not. And so therefore you're breaking the word of God. But of course, that's a massive misinterpretation because i assure you they don't know the bible and that's probably the only verse in the bible they know but um jesus never taught us to not judge he did not do that if you quit judging tonight you're going to be in trouble in a month or less we, we're called to judge there's a right kind of judgment there's a wrong kind of judgment and we're going to deal with both now dolly parton who i met once it was a real experience. Uh, she has seven Grammys. And I, I like Dolly as far as just a, a person. She's extremely likable. You got to like her, right? But here's what she said, direct quote. As far as the Christians, if people want to pass judgment on gays, they're already sinning. Now listen carefully to what she says. This is the echo of the culture. The sin of judging is just as bad as any other sin they might say somebody else is committing. Now, what is Dolly saying here? Because she's echoing the culture. Some of you may even think this way. But here's what she's saying. If you pass any kind of judgment on someone else's lifestyle, you're sinning as bad as you say they are. In other words, paraphrase, it's always wrong to judge. That's what she's saying. 
It's always wrong to judge. All right. Is that a true statement? Did, did she make a true statement? Okay. It's the typical misinterpretation of what Jesus actually taught. And our culture loves it. They use that verse all the time. And, but Dolly gives us the way the culture has trained her to think and the way our culture out there thinks. So let's just talk about judging for a minute. As for judging in general, if we're going to be honest about it, uh, we'd have to admit it is absolutely impossible to not judge. There is nobody that doesn't judge. Everybody judges, including those who tell you not to judge. They're judging you as they tell you not to judge. <laughs> okay? Um, you've got to form a judgment, especially when you see something you know is wrong or evil. There's no way, because of the way God wired us, that we're not going to form an opinion and pass a judgment. It's crazy to think, don't judge. You're going to judge. I'm going to judge. You're going to judge. Here's what it comes down to. Are we going to judge right or are we going to judge wrong? But we're all going to judge. Okay? So the fact is, Scripture calls us to judge things that are wrong, dangerous, deceptive, and not of or from God. We are called to judge. You and I as believers are called to judge. So when somebody says, judge not, you want to say to them, well, what do you mean by that? Because I'm called to judge, and you're judging me, so how can I not judge? Every believer is called to be wise and to discern. Wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Listen to what 1 John 4, 1 says. This is, to me... This ought to be a refrigerator sticker verse in our day and culture right now. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Do what? Test what comes to you to see whether or not, discern whether or not it's of God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. They're everywhere. We are living in a society loaded, infested with false prophets. Thanks to social media, they're on every street corner in social media. False prophets, all right? In John's gospel, Jesus talks about the wrong kind and the right kind of judgment. Listen to what he said in John 7, 24. He said, do not judge. Here's wrong judgment. Do not judge by appearance, superficially and arrogantly, but judge fairly and righteously. What did Jesus tell us to do? Judge fairly and righteously. He only told us to avoid the wrong kind and be sure we do the right kind. All right? As a kid, I learned, uh, I, I loved going into the woods and I learned all the creatures, all, all the reptiles, all the birds, all the animals. I was fascinated with what God made, even though I wasn't at that time thinking that God had made them. But I learned my snakes early on. I learned the poisonous and the non-poisonous. All right? There's four poisonous in Texas. Everything else is innocent. Too bad we kill them just because they're snakes. But here's the thing. Let me give you an example. Two snakes that look almost, almost exactly alike are the king snake and the coral snake. King snake and coral snake. They look very much alike at first glance. 
If you don't know your snakes, you're not going to tell the difference. Because they both have beautiful black, red, and yellow rings. They're beautiful snakes. The coral snake and the king snake, they're beautiful, colorful. But the king snake is totally harmless, and the coral snake is deadly venomous and is a member of the cobra family, and it lives in Texas. Both can be encountered in America, okay? So you might see a king snake, you might see a coral snake. So how can you tell the difference? Because you better make a very quick judgment and fast. All right, so you've got to judge. Here here you see this beautiful snake. Is it poisonous? Is it not? Am I safe? Am I not? Can it kill me or is it innocent? The snake's ring pattern is the key, okay? If red and yellow rings are touching, it's a venomous coral snake every time. And the coral snake's head is black has a black face the scarlet king snake's head is almost uh, or is always red and on a king snake red never touches yellow on the coral snake it always does you see a snake down here it could be a king snake it could be a venomous coral snake that can kill you now here's the deal What you're distinguishing, what you're discerning is what looks almost right. Okay? The coral and king snakes look so much alike at first glance and only minor differences separate them. Your spiritual life in the same way can hang on judging subtle differences between what is right and almost right. There's an old saying about king snakes and coral snakes you'll recognize this red touches yellow kills a fella red touches black friend of jack (laughs) okay so you see red touching yellow that's all you need to know kills a fella all right but the deal is you got to know the difference you got to know the difference between what is right and what looks almost right See, discernment is not always the ability to tell obvious differences between true and false. Okay, anybody should be able to tell. That's evil, that's wicked, that's wrong. But no, discernment in our time has come down to the ability to tell the difference between true and almost true. Biblical and almost biblical. What is of God and what is almost of God. Every false teaching out there is almost right. There's enough right in it to make you think it's right. Every false teacher is going to say a lot of right things so that you think they're right. But if you listen long, you realize, no, they're almost right. And almost right and right can mean the difference between you being bitten by something poisonous and something innocent. If you were to ask me, what's the greatest need today in the modern church, in the Western church, in our time right now, is discernment. There's a discernment deficit in the American church right now. I'm amazed at what uh, passes for right, and so many Christians follow it when it's a coral snake. 
Jesus himself taught that we're to judge the fruit of ministers and professing prophets. Did you know that? Jesus told us to. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, you will know, you will discern. The Greek word there means discern. You will discern them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes? No. Or figs from thistles? No. You can't get something good out of bad. As goes the root, so goes the fruit. Okay? We're to judge the fruit, and that means we're to judge. We are to judge the content and the results of ministries that come our way. We are to judge. If you don't judge, you're dead. If you don't judge, you're going to be victimized. If you don't judge, you're going to be captured. We're to judge. So don't let anybody tell you you're not supposed to judge. Jesus said don't judge. No, he didn't. He said judge with the right kind of judgment. Judge in a way that'll save your life. Judge in a way that'll save your household, your marriage, your church, your soul, your character, your morality. Judge. We're to judge. Ask these questions when somebody who says, I'm a minister of Christ, or I'm a prophet of God, here's what you do. You ask yourself, have their followers borne the fruit of the Spirit? That's the fruit. All right, that's the results of their ministry. Is their message biblical? How are you going to know that if you don't know the Bible? If I don't know the Bible? Ask yourself this. Did Paul, Peter, James, John, or Jude in the epistles teach what you're hearing? Did they teach it? Can you find it in the epistles? Can you find it there? Is it there? Or is this being made up out of whole cloth? Or is it almost right? Uh, Are they rightly dividing the word of truth? Is their life, their lifestyle, moral, upright, Christ-honoring? Ask yourself questions. Don't feel like you're sinning if you judge. You're not sinning. Jesus said, judge with righteous judgment and judge the fruit of what comes your way claiming to be from God. How often do we do this? Well, I got to tell you, I do it more and more. How are we going to know these things? How are you going to judge the fruit of somebody if if you don't pass a judgment? How are you going to do it if you don't pass a judgment? So judge not can't mean never judge. To not operate in the right kind of judgment can quickly land you and I in very big trouble. Yeah. So Jesus calls you and I as believers to judge. Just be sure it's in fairness and righteousness. So in verse 1, he's just warning against the wrong kind of judgment. Then in verse 2, he teaches the law of return regarding the right or wrong kind of judgment. Here's the law of return you will be treated as you treat others. Okay? The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. That's the law of return. So it matters how you treat folks. It matters how you treat folks. Now, if it's a false teacher, false prophet, false message, you need to put it far from you. But now he's talking about how we do other people that we should be exercising the right kind of judgment, not the wrong kind, because if we judge wrongly, it's going to come back our way. If you're harsh, if you're unmerciful, 
if you're a condemning person, if you're always judging other people without the facts. That happens all the time in church, judging people without the facts. And we believe the worst of them. It says both, Jesus said both God and the world will return that back to you. God and the world will return that back to you, how you do others. So I'm going to be real careful that I judge what comes to me in the name of Jesus to be sure that it's sound and right and not a coral snake. But in the same token, I'm to be merciful, kind, forgiving, long-suffering, patient, because as I do others, it's going to be done back to me by God and man right? Jesus said in the Beatitudes that we've already studied, blessed are the merciful for they shall, what? Obtain mercy. How many of you need some mercy tonight? I need boatloads of mercy. I need mercy all the time. So I try to be very, very merciful with other people. Their faults, their shortcomings, their mistakes, because I need mercy when it comes time for me to get it. Amen? James writes, whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you're going to be judged by the law that sets you free. And what's the law that sets you and I free? The gospel. The gospel. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. Whoa. There will be no mercy to those who never show others mercy. But if you have been merciful, James writes, God will be merciful when he judges you. Wow. Right? So what goes around comes around and the way you do people. Some of the meanest people I've ever heard in my life have been preachers. Angry, fire-breathing preachers. No mercy. No, no grace. Just you're going to hell, you're all going to hell, you're going to hell. Now, that may be true. That's all you ever hear, banging the pulpit. And isn't it funny how so often you find out in their own lives there's sin? Can I talk real tonight? Can we talk real? I'm talking real, all right? So we need to be merciful. We need to be truthful, but merciful. Merciful in our truthfulness, Okay? This is what leads Jesus into uh, the following description of the wrong kind of judgment. There's humor here. I, I love this. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you've got a log in your own? Uh, this, this is humorous. I believe the Lord was... Was he grinning when he said this? Maybe. Was there a little side glance and a grin or a wink? Maybe. Because he's saying the one passing judgment on someone else has even worse sins in their own life. The Greek word for speck here is splinter, and log refers to a beam, a timber, a great big tree that has been cut down. This person that Jesus is talking about is focusing on the minor faults in somebody else while they themselves have huge faults far greater than the one they're judging. Now that's the wrong kind of judgment. And here's what the Lord is saying. You can't operate on someone else's eye if you are blinded by the log in your own eye. How many of you would go to an ophthalmologist that can't see? He's digging in your eye, but he can't see. No, I want my ophthalmologist to have 20-20 when he's looking in my eye. Right? 
Jesus is saying, when you've got all kinds of things in your own life that still need to be dealt with, maybe unconfessed sin, major faults, and you're judging somebody else for something way less, he said, you, you can't operate on them. You can't set them free. You can't minister life to them. You can't successfully help them. Because you yourself are the one that needs the help first. Right? So uh, Jesus says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get the, rid of that speck in your eye, and you, you're sitting here with a log in your own eye, and you're reaching out to grab their eye. And when you can't see past the log in your own eye, That's why Paul said to the Galatians, he said, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself first, lest you also be tempted. That word considering is from the Greek word skapeo. We get scope from it. You want to know what a zoom lens is on a camera. You want to pull something in tight, you, you, you move the zoom lens and it pulls it in tighter. That's the idea with scapeo. Uh, he says, pull in tight on your own stuff. Look at it. And deal with your own stuff before you go to operate on somebody else's eye, on somebody else's life. Paul lays it out as we come to a close here. He says, therefore, he's talking to the Jews, to the Pharisees. He says to them, You are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For whatever you judge another in, you condemn yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things. Log in your own eye, but you're judging everybody else. Okay? He goes on, verse 2. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? No. He goes on. You who preach that a man should not steal, are you stealing? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who say don't pray to idols, are you making money your God instead? Amen. So, Jesus ends his word on judging with this strong word. Verse 5. Hypocrite, get, the, get rid of the log in your own eye. Get rid of it. Then you will see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Because your friend needs you to help them, but you can't do it if a beam is blinding you. Get your own life right. Amen? And not only will it bless you, but it will make you an able minister to others. Amen. Amen. What a powerful word the Lord has for us. Amen? Let me just quickly tell you, I had a, a lady a long time ago who started a ministry for troubled girls. And she's in heaven now. But she was an alcoholic. She was a vicious, blackout alcoholic. And she heard the gospel. She was in a little church. She heard the gospel. God convicted her, and she got saved. Her name was Marjorie. 
and she became a friend of mine. Uh, much older lady, silver-haired, uh, but she had this ministry to um, these troubled girls, unwed mothers, and so on and so forth. And she was, God was using her to help redeem them. That was later. But when she first got saved, the church got all excited, and they tapped her to give her testimony. So the night rolled around that she was to give her testimony, just a couple of months after her salvation. So there they are in the church, and the music is done, no Marjorie. The pastor's looking at his watch, no Marjorie. He said, well, we need to pray for Marjorie. Maybe she got in a wreck, no Marjorie. She never turned up. So they just closed out the service, and the pastor went to her place. Meanwhile, Marjorie had, as we say, fallen off the wagon. And she was blind, blackout, drunk. It had been an all-day bender. So pastor comes knocking on the door. Marjorie, no answer. Marjorie, and she, later she told me, it was like this distant voice started invading my dreams. And I realized, oh, this is real. And she got up and staggered to the door and opened it and saw him and remembered. And she said to herself, I'm toast. They're done with me. But here's what he did. He said, Marjorie, I don't condemn you. And I'm not judging you. I'm going to believe God to totally set you free. Now, watch this. She said, that night was the last drink I ever took. That night. That night. Now, here's the thing. What did it? What did it? Well, first of all, that pastor clearly had no drinking issue, and he was not slamming her because she was doing what he was also guilty of. But no, he had clear eyes, and he, he judged her. Uh, righteously and with mercy and it saved her life and i can't tell you how many girls through the years she touched until she went home to be with the lord because that one man said the right thing at the right time can we stand up together tonight how many of you have ever needed mercy when it looked real bad for you amen how many of you are so thankful for mercy when God gives mercy. Amen? Amen. So let's, uh, let's just lift our hands to the Lord and let's thank Him for tonight. Lord, we just thank You for the mercy of God. Lord, how we need Your mercy and how we need uh, to judge righteously in ways that will save our soul, save our families, our marriages, our spiritual walk. We need to judge things that are wicked and wrong and tell the truth. But we also need to walk in mercy and walk in forgiveness and walk in grace. So, Lord, help us to do what you taught here in the Sermon on the Mount. Help us to walk in the truth of it. Give us, Lord, right kind of judgment. And help us to avoid the wrong kind. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to grow into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.